Welcome back for mile 66 of Seconds Flat. We're glad you've joined us for the final installment of our Workouts We Love series. Today we'll cover combination workouts, or what we might also call multi-zone or mixed sessions. These are the surf and turf of running. Some are famous high volume sessions that we'll break down and offer some modifications based on your level of experience. Others are our own creations, and we'll walk you through how constructing these workouts can exact a particular stimulus and fit your training goals. Again, as in the previous episodes in the series, we are emphasizing knowing why you are doing what you are doing when you are doing it. I have cautioned you in the previous workout episodes that positioning your quality efforts within your week and giving them appropriate weight in your overall plan is essential. You must rest, recover, run easy, stay healthy, and work on multiple skills in a logical progression to reach your potential. Do these things and you will improve. It's not about any specific workout, rather the overall body of work. That guidance is even more essential with combination workouts. We can have outsized expectations for workouts with a name that resonates across college campuses and high school tracks like the Michigan. Author Chris Lear in Sub Four Minutes, his follow-up to the cult classic Running with the Buffaloes, chronicles Alan Webb's experience running the Michigan. And aspiring schoolboys nationwide dream of replicating Webb's ridiculous splits. The workout has value. It has a place and a time. Using it wisely can be great for you, but running it just because Webb did it could have a more deleterious than beneficial effect. Even worse, ripping it all out in a futile attempt at nearing Webb's marks could send you down a negative spiral. Remember, in Webb's famous 2007 track season, when he set the American mile record, he put down some crazy workouts most of us couldn't imagine. He did things like 20 by 400 meters, closing in just over 50 seconds flat, and nine times 800 meters with the first eight cutting down from 2.13 to two minutes before a three and a half minute rest into a final one minute 49 second 800. Whew. Mommy, mommy. These are bonkers, next level numbers that cement Webb as a well-trained genetic freak not necessarily someone we should replicate in our every decision. So a key purpose of our conversation today is applying wisdom and discipline in training. Let's eliminate the mystique around mythical training sessions making us elite. What we might see as somewhat of a strabification of our training, that natural tendency to compare ourselves to the really fast thing we see someone else doing in their online training log. If I'm taking all this time attacking the allure of a well-known combination workout, why is this a category of workout we love? First, it's great to be challenged. Just make sure you get the needed easy days before and after. If you regularly need two easy days after workouts, don't etch that in stone. It may take three. Get in tune with how you feel and run the reps at the pace suited for you. I'll dive into that more with our specific examples. Next, something new and complex can be fun. Combination workouts provide a mental twist. We benefit from efforts forcing us to stay mentally engaged for long bouts of time. However, 
There's a refreshing aspect to changing gears within a workout or knowing a different stimulus is coming soon. Moreover, we know developing distance running skills takes time and consistency. That doesn't mean you have to work the skill in the exact same way on the same day every week. Sure, sometimes that's effective, but over long stretches, it may create a mental rut. A new approach to an old method may be just what you need. Also, the examples we'll share recreate elements of the racing experience. How many times have you gotten out too hot in a 5K and faded? We need a better pacing plan. And you can check out mile 35 for more on 5K racing. But also, practicing the fast start element of racing, followed by components designed for better handling that feeling, regrouping, and pressing again, can be immeasurably valuable. Plus functionally, racing rarely stays in one training zone. Your body's energy systems are working together simultaneously. Mixed sessions can help us move through those zones in a proper sequencing to ready you for race day demands. So let's start with the aforementioned Michigan workout. While many coaches and programs have used variations of this effort over time, the workout earns its moniker from its association with famed University of Michigan coach Ron Warhurst. Warhurst trained numerous All-Americans, including Webb, Greg Meyer, Kevin Sullivan, Nate Brannon, and Nick Willis. Over three-plus decades, Warhurst fine-tuned and consistently applied the Michigan. What are the specifics? After a warm-up, Hit the track for a mile at 10K goal pace. As used by Warhurst, only a brief rest followed, possibly 20 or 30 seconds, to exit the track and get on a measured 2K road loop. You could also do 2K on the track if that's more convenient for you. There, you complete a tempo run, two kilometers in the comfortably hard zone we have discussed many times before. If you're an advanced runner looking for pacing specifics, again, think 15K to half marathon pace. Then the plot thickens and the pace quickens. Back at the track, it's time for 1200 meters, three laps at 5K pace. Now return to your road loop for another 2K tempo. We continue working down the ladder on the track with 800 meters at two mile pace up next. One last tempo segment follows before a final 400 meters, as fast as you can. Simple, yes. Easy, far from it. Warhurst designed the Michigan for 10K runners, but it can fit into training for events longer and shorter than 10,000 meters. For your best practice, let's consider some modifications. One, allow for a recovery period between each segment. This is my favorite approach to making the Michigan more palatable for the masses. Even a minute of rest between the intervals and tempos, and again between tempos and intervals, make this combo section much more manageable. Two, dial back the tempo pace. Try running a steady marathon effort rather than the slightly faster threshold pace. Three, dial back the interval pace. I almost always do this. For example, 
You could adjust by running the mile at 10K pace, 1200 at 8K pace, 800 at 5K pace, and 400 at 3K pace. Tagging an all-out last lap is highly taxing. And those more moderate paces are probably better suited for longer distance race training. Modification four, shorten the rep lengths. It is very common to see this workout prescribed with one mile tempos rather than 2K. So in that instance, you'd be cutting a lap if you did it around the track. Or the 1200 meter lap could be condensed to a 1K, for example. You have abundant options for slightly manipulating the rest, paces, and interval lengths within the Michigan. Doing any or all of the above can make the workout work for you while maintaining the integrity of its goals, which are packing a huge aerobic punch, buffering the negative byproducts of a fast start, and closing your race hard. Next, let's turn our attention to the Lumberjack. Named after the mascot of Benji's favorite collegiate team, Northern Arizona University, the Lumberjack workout helped spawn college cross country's most recent dynasty. While current coach Mike Smith doesn't use this session as much as his predecessors, the lore of the Lumberjack has spread coast to coast. Like the Michigan, the Lumberjack starts fast, incorporates tempo sections, and closes fast. So here's the workout construction. Four by 400 meters, 10 minute tempo, four by 400 meters, 10 minute tempo, four by 400 meters. NAU's athletes typically run the 400 somewhere between 5K and 3K pace, and they'll cover about two miles in their tempo section. Unlike the Michigan though, we see more structured rest periods here. So faster runners may complete the 400s on two minute and 30 second goes. Meaning, if it takes you 70 seconds to run the distance, you have 80 seconds remaining for recovery before the next rep. Less experienced athletes, you could increase this to as much as four minute goes. So if it took you two minutes to do your 400, you'd have another two minutes of recovery. Then between the 400s and tempos, you may have up to two minutes of rest. That's a time used by the Northern Arizona guys for changing in and out of spikes. As we mentioned with alternation workouts in mile 64, both of these mixed zone sessions help make race pace feel easier. In particular, I like employing the lumberjack in a half marathon build. Running the tempo segments at goal half race pace is a huge confidence boost as it feels easy compared to those repeat quarters. Are you thinking about some lumberjack modifications that will work for you? Some of the same design concepts we consider for the Michigan apply here as well. My favorites. One, make the tempo cycles two by one mile with a short break rather than 10 continuous minutes, or two by five minutes, with a short break rather than 10 continuous. And my number two modification here, gradually cut down the 400 pace with each subsequent set. You're getting 12 total 400s. So nine through 12, you could be working faster than you were on one through four.
Both the Michigan and the Lumberjack are high volume, high intensity sessions requiring ample recovery. I use these sparingly in training. They're like the sugar at the top of the food pyramid. Often we'll put them in once mid cycle in the heart of heavy training and again later when sharpening for competition. Let's turn our attention to a couple combinations you could run more frequently. Our third example has been popularized in recent years by Coach Tom Tenman Schwartz and his Tenman Elite Training Group. Schwartz has coached Drew Hunter since his days as a high school phenom, and he guided Brogan Austin to the U.S. Marathon Championship at CIM in 2018. Tenman's key session combines three stimuli, critical velocity intervals, hill reps, and strides. Before we unpack the workout details, we should define some key vocabulary. What does critical velocity even mean? Schwartz characterizes critical velocity, or CV pace, as the pace at which one could race for 30 to 40 minutes. Remember, he's coaching high-level scholastic, sub-elite adult, and national-level runners. For most of them, he skews toward the faster end of his 30 to 40-minute spectrum. We can better nail down CV pace with some additional qualifiers. First, for most athletes prescribed this pace by 10 man, that 30 to 40 minute range closely approximates 8K to 10K pace. So both minute and pace indicators correspond with critical velocity being slightly faster than traditional threshold paces. We've talked about threshold pace being in that 15K to half marathon pace range. Another often used measure for threshold is the pace at which one could race for an hour. To recap that and summarize, threshold work may be being 15K to half marathon pace, the pace you could race for an hour, the pace which, as we've said, based on effort is comfortably hard, whereas 10-man CV pace is in that 8K to 10K pace range most likely, and the pace that you could race for 30 to 40 minutes. While CV pace has come into vogue recently with the exposure of 10 man's athletes on social media, it is not necessarily a new or unique training mode. Exercise physiologist Steven Seiler's case studies on polarized training find very successful athletes across endurance sports doing their workouts at heart rates that closely translate to 10 man's 30 minute pace. Moreover, Coach Steve Magnus refers to these paces as pulling up your threshold rather than pushing it up by working at our pace or slightly slower. He regularly mixes in these paces of faster than and at or slightly slower than threshold in his training. And Road to the Top, Coach Joe V. Hill's quintessential training manual recommends mile repeats at or above 10K pace and its programs for distances 5K and longer. Now, back to the workout. What is unique is 10 man's combination and order of components. He typically prescribes about one minute of easy recovery for every three minutes at critical velocity pace. These CV bouts could be fartlek style, hard, easy segments, or could be track intervals like 600s, 800s, or 1000s, depending on your skill level. The CV portion of the workout totals about plus or minus 20 minutes 
based on athlete experience. A precocious high schooler can use the workout, but probably won't match Drew Hunter's volume. Tin Man has some more specific formulas on the amount of CV work you do, and we've referenced his Run Fast Coach calculator before. You can also type in there your current training paces and get a better idea of what he would recommend as your critical velocity. To simplify this whole process, my favorite construction of this portion of the session is five or six times four minutes on with a gentle progression that takes the runner in the first four minutes from a few seconds slower than 10K pace down to about 8K pace for the last four minute segment. The jog recovery in these segments are then about 90 seconds. What we see from Seiler's research actually is that longer chunks tend to be more effective in training in these paces. They're super hard in training to hang on to for eight, 10, 12 minutes, but it could work really well for you for four minutes rather than just three. After the critical velocity intervals, jog to a nearby hill for part two, hill repeats. Normally these average 30-ish seconds in length. You can use anywhere from 20 to 40 seconds depending on the hill length you have available and the stimulus you're emphasizing within the workout. Your pace now increases from CV for the hill work. Accordingly, the work to rest ratio decreases as you're jogging back down the hill for recovery. We've spent a lot of time discussing hill efforts and mechanics here on the show, so I won't dive too deep into this part of the workout. You can listen to mile 32 or mile 54 for more of our hill specifics. But I will add a few notes. Placing hills here in the workout allows for strength development and recruitment of different muscle fibers. You are following a natural progression toward engaging faster paces. But be careful. If the intervals have you totally gassed, you're just wiped from the CV work, we don't want to risk injury working high rates of force on the hills while fatigued. The hill efforts should be fast but controlled. Additionally, if you press hard on the hills, you may want to pass on the strides afterward and you'd still have a great workout. If you do go for the strides, you'll jog to a flat. I like a turf field if one is available nearby you. We're now increasing the pace once again as you run at around mile pace for 20-ish seconds. Check out mile 32, again, listen to that for our detailed discussion of strides. As an overview, the focus here is form. With an increased range of motion, eyes on a target point past your finish line, and more force directed into the ground as your foot strikes in a line directly beneath your hips. Tin Man's most famous construction of this workout is seven times three minutes at CV pace, one minute easy plus seven times 30 second hills, plus seven strides. That could be a goal for you to work up to. We'll finish our combination workout episode with one of our own creations. Most training out there has been borrowed or shared time and again. Rarely do any of us write something completely new. There are few secrets in writing training and even fewer magic workouts. I don't claim to have composed something here better than anything else out there, but just a nice combination that we've seen to be effective. As we've said, 
It's more about assimilating the elements that are right for you, consistently applying those elements and seasoning the whole product with a pinch of these new workouts for a breakthrough. In my example, I pulled together pieces of successful training from other coaches. Then after some experimentation, we found this to be an effective session both for me and for some of my post-collegiate athletes prepping for events from 5K to marathon. Here, we mix elements of tempo running, fartlek, and maybe also hills depending on your race demands. The central premise here is effectively dealing with and developing resistance to fatigue. I'll actually give you two example workouts here as we just move around and reconstitute the variables within the session. In each case, it's significant to know that the first piece of the combination is there with the primary intention of moving your body into a fatigued state. First, we use cruise intervals followed by fartlek and hills. In this one, the cruise intervals are broken segments of threshold running such as four by five minutes or four by a mile at 15K to half marathon pace. To begin, we might use 90 second recovery jogs. After the last rep, move into a progressive fartlek of four, three, two, and one minutes. Your pace on the four minute segment begins slightly faster than your cruise intervals. And with each subsequent shorter rep, we gradually cut down the pace, ending as fast as 3K pace if you're training for a long track or short road event like the 5K or 10K. I keep the recovery jogs here consistent, continue them at 90 seconds. When you return to this workout later in your training cycle, you have options. Trimming the recoveries to 75 seconds on the next try, then 60 seconds on a final attempt works well. Alternatively, you could tack on four by 20 second hills at mile pace on the end. This works especially well if you have a hilly course in your future. And like in 10 man's, what I call lucky sevens workout, it's a nice change to muscle fiber recruitment as well as a way to continue progressively accelerating the pace of the workout. We've now moved from 15K pace through multiple zones all the way to mile pace. By rearranging those same workout components, we can create a nice marathon specific effort similar to some of the concepts our friend Gerald Mock mentioned from his Olympic trials build in mile 42. In this version, we move what was last to first. We open with a few hill reps of 40 to 60 seconds. Five to eight ascents will do the trick. After a few minutes of easy jogging, move into a fartlek with the surging segments at 10K pace for 60 seconds, alternated with 60 seconds back at your normal daily pace. I like eight to 10 cycles. That actually mirrors one of those classic early training fartleks that a lot of us learn of 10 by one on, one off. Again, after those cycles, we jog easy for a few minutes, and now the real power of the workout happens next. Finish with a marathon pace tempo on terrain that mimics your upcoming race. For most of us, marathon goal pace is a psychological construct rather than a physical one. Based on past experiences, we pick a round number as a mark and we aim for it. Therefore, much of your training, particularly early in a marathon cycle, should probably focus on improving more tangible and functional skills. 
This is why you keep hearing us talk about 8K pace, 10K pace, half marathon pace, etc. These are more accurately measured in racing and have directly corresponding physiological markers in training. But there's a space where working on marathon pace, especially as the race nears, holds value. An hour hills, fartlek, marathon tempo workout, we touch on two skills the marathon requires. Running race pace after fatigue sets in and marshalling reserves of mental and physical stamina following intra-race surges. We incorporate this session mid to late in a marathon block with a sensitivity to its volume and stress. There you have it. The Michigan, the Lumberjack, Tin Man's CV Hills Strides Workout, and our own concoction of cruise intervals, fartlek, and hills. With all these efforts, we recommend you coordinate with a guide who can help construct a global training plan. He or she can keep an eye on your blind spots in training and keep you on track toward your goals. If you'd like to ask us questions about these workouts or work with us on your racing preparation, please email us. It is secondsplatpodcast at gmail.com. It has been incredibly fun adding new athletes focused on 2021 road racing goals through this workout series and fun to get into some nuts and bolts about the workouts that get us up, get us excited and get us looking to the future when normal racing returns. And I'm guessing at this point, like me, you're ready to get another voice back on the show. So we have an exciting interview ready for you in mile 67. We will see you then. Until next time, have a great week.